Hi everyone, this is Ben Guest. Today's interview is with Mark Paul. Mark is an author. He's written a book called The Greatest Gambling Story Ever Told. And he has a great website, markpaulauthor.com. In this interview, we go into detail about the world of self-publishing and selling and promoting your work. And Mark has a number of great articles on his website, markpaulauthor.com, that go into this. And in this interview, Mark just drops gem after gem about the world of self-publishing. Also, please note there's a little bit of hum, an occasional hum, on Mark's side of the conversation, just so you're aware. Thanks. Okay, so let's talk book publishing, book writing. And one of the things that I noticed on one of your posts is that at a certain point in the process, you uh, engaged a professional editor. Could you talk about um, that process and what... Um, what the benefits were. I absolutely, I did. I was very fortunate. I got introduced <clears throat> to a professional editor named uh, <clears throat> uh, Mary Holden. And without, without her, my book would not be nearly as successful as it was, nor would I be nearly as proud of it as I am. And what Mary did for me was more than just editing. She certainly edited, but she also taught me how to write. And one thing that I did with her is that when I would, when she would give me her changes, it wasn't like I gave her my manuscript and got my new, my corrected manuscript back in Word and published it. I told her I wanted her to give it to me in Redline. And I wanted to make all the changes myself, one by one by one by one, because I knew that I would learn from my errors that way. And she was phenomenally helpful for me. And I really needed it. I actually had two, and then before I went to publishing, I actually had a second editor come in. And it is amazing that you can self-edit a book, have a professional editor, have 25 people proof it, and then the second editor will come in and still find 50 corrections. Yeah, it's it's a little bit humbling. Yeah, some people think that. I, I'm telling you, you one thing I learned in this whole process, especially if you don't know what you're doing like me, hire professionals, hire people that know what you're doing. One of the things I was fortunate on is maybe because I'm not a 22-year-old aspiring writer, I'm a 65-year-old, you know, semi-retired uh, real estate guy. So I had I had enough money to hire people that I spend money on my book. And the reason that I've made money in my book is because I hired the right people and I spent money and I wasn't afraid. Right, I think that's a great point. And I'm sure we'll get into this. There are a lot of ancillary things around publishing, whether it's traditional or self-publishing, that it's worthwhile to spend money on. Editing, certainly, cover design, etc. At the end of the day though, um, you have to have told an engaging story. And, and I think everything, you know, we're going to talk the nuts and bolts of, of all of this, but at the end of the day, you wrote a great story that connects with people. You have to have, you, you do have to have a story and it has to be interesting. And I've had a lot of authors come to me, young authors come to me and ask for advice. And I always want to give them advice and I always want to encourage them. But when I read their books, a lot of times I go, problem is you just you have a story that's interesting to you but probably is not going to 
be interesting to other people. <laughs> and it doesn't matter how well edited it is or how great the cover is, if it's a boring topic that people don't care about, you're in trouble. One of the things I've been very fortunate with my book on is that my book is actually number one in 10 Amazon categories. And one thing I learned about categories of books are hugely important. In other words, I'm number one in horse racing, almost always for two years. I'm number one in sports gambling. I'm number one in gambling. Those are great. I'm very proud to be number one in there. But typically, like I just checked today, I always check this, my ego's involved. I just checked today after two years, I just checked I'm right, today I'm number two or number three in uh, biographies of true crime, white color crime, and organized crime. And the funny thing is that I could sell, if I was number 10 in organized crime, I would sell five times more books than I would be number one in horse racing, number one in sports gambling, and number one in gambling, because not a lot of gamblers and horse racing people buy books, but people are searching for true crime books all day long. So one of the things that we'll talk about with AdWords and the like is that what really helped my book, you know, why did I sell so many books? I sold 10,000 books in the first six, 90 days. And right now I sold about 35,000. The reason, which is not like James Patterson or some you know, big author, but for self-published author, it's very good, is that I, I'm, like a, I'm like a country music song who crosses over onto the pop charts, okay? And you could sell a lot more songs on the pop charts than just the country charts alone. So that's a really big thing is, um, is if you write a book, try to figure out how not to market it just in one genre. Try to market it in many, many genres, but specifically, gosh darn it, figure out how to sell it in categories that people are looking for. Because you can have the greatest book in the world, but you know if it's if it's about some obscure topic, it doesn't matter. Nobody's going to find you because nobody's looking for you. Right. I think that's so key. And maybe we can talk about um, keyword selection, Amazon keyword selection in, in a second. And, and one of the benefits of all of what you just described happening is that, of course, as you know, the Amazon algorithm kicks in and starts recommending the book to, to like buyers. What, what, so young, you said young authors, when you're talking to them and you give advice, what are some of the pieces of advice you find yourself telling multiple people? Um, definitely have, hire professionals. Having a great cover is super important. Having a great title is important. I, I have a title that I like much more than the title that I use. I, I like in horse racing, the Kentucky Derby is referred to as the greatest two minutes in sports. And initially, my book was titled The Greatest Two Minutes. I love that title, but it doesn't do anything. Now, my title is almost confrontational in your face. The greatest gambling story ever told. All the gamblers go, no, it's not. That can't be. I know a better story. My, my cousin, Jimmy. Well, but, I, but now they know about it and they're talking about it, right? So, you know, a title's important. A cover's important. Um, and then really, I would say, looking at, lots of different categories. You mentioned Amazon, um, which is the dominant place. I probably have sold 92% of all my books solely on Amazon. 
Um, even though I published wide, I'm, I'm on you know Barnes and Noble, Noble, and I'm on Apple Books. The thing is, on, Am on Amazon, you can spend money and you can market and you can you can affect your sales. I don't know how to affect and change my sales on Amazon or Barnes and Noble. I'm kind of at, at their mercy. And Amazon, you can spend money and get results. <laughs> so um, one thing I learned at Amazon early is that when you self-publish your book, they tell you you can be in three categories. So you could be in you know, you know, history, you could be in American history, you could be in history of the Civil War. But what they don't tell you is that you actually can be in 10 categories. Um, all you have to do is ask. And if you email them, uh, you go into the chat rooms or just, so you need to go research really, really carefully all those specific categories. Um, and what I, one of the things that I, that I learned right away is I, I would try with those 10 categories is try to pick two or three categories that you can hopefully dominate or be number one in, and then try to choose other categories that are maybe much more competitive, like true crime. And true crime, or I have to compete with Bill O'Reilly, okay? You know, I have to compete with these really big, well-known authors. But by being next to Bill O'Reilly, I sell a lot more books. So I would say like, okay, like pick, a, pick an easy category. Like to me, there's a category called track betting. Well, it's like probably, you know, two books published every 10 years in track betting. So how can I not be number one? And in track betting, when I go to do our, my AdWords and pay for AdWords, I make sure, I just outbid everybody. Because you know what happens by being number one in this dinky little category? I get to have that really cool number one orange banner on Amazon. It says number one bestseller. It is. And you know maybe you're in a category like gay dinosaurs or something. It's not a lot of competition. But, you know, figure it out, you know. And then, and then find some categories where a lot of books are sold. Um, I tell you, I'm, I don't get any money for this. I'm not associated with them. Um, uh, going to uh, publish, Publishers Rocket is a really great uh, tool um, uh, to be on. Uh, they have you for next to nothing. You can go on and they'll give you all the categories. And in, when you click on it, They'll give you the categories and the keywords, and they'll tell you how many books each of those books that are in the top categories, how many they're selling, uh, how many uh, ebooks are selling, how many um, uh, published, you know, uh, uh, paperback books and hardcover books they're selling. And really look at those categories. That's huge. Yeah, 100%. I, I use that tool all the time. You do? Because it, it helps you know your competition. Exactly. Yeah. Also, make sure make sure that you um, also uh, do your book in hardcover, in paperback, not just in an ebook. Okay. One of the things that, that I learned early is like I would like when I first started advertising uh, on on Amazon, you know, keywords is you know they they tell you okay you should be you're getting about a seventy percent commission split. So if you sell a book for $10, you're going to keep about seven and Amazon's going to get about three. Now that's true, but that's also minus your ad cost. So they tell you, you know, you really, you're, you're, they call it ACOS, the average cost of sale, how much your, 
you're paying for your ads versus how many, how many sales you're getting, that number, you shouldn't be spending more than 70% of your ACOs, of your average cost of sale, or you're losing, you're advertising, you're selling books, but you're losing money. Well, first of all, like I told you, I don't mind in the little categories. I don't mind losing money because by God, we work so hard, at least come up with a couple of these cute little Amazon banners. You can, you know, you can cut and paste, do a, a you know, a, a paint version, you know, and save that image and you'll have it for all time. You can put it up in your wall and you can say I was an Amazon bestseller. So definitely, you know, don't be afraid to dominate in those little categories. But one thing that I learned is I would say, sometimes I would go like, oh, my eight goes with 83 cents. I would go, oh, that's shitty. I'm getting, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm getting my ass kicked here. I'm spending more money than I'm receiving in my commissions. But then about four months later, I got my first commission for my paperback sales. And then it dawned on me, because one thing that is really shocking to me, um, in this world of you know, Wi-Fi and internet and online and Kindle readers and everything, I still sell about two-thirds of my book are print books. People go ahead and buy my book for $15 instead of $8 because the, hard, the, the paperback is $15 and the, the e-book is $8. But I still sold two times as many paperbacks. So what I'm saying is that if I wound up spending $0.83 cents to get a $0.70 cent sale, but... I wasn't doing any money. I was also getting my paperback sales out of that number. I started realizing that maybe I could actually be spending a hundred cents. I could be losing money in my eBooks. As long as I'm selling a ton of print books, I'm making money. So that's okay. That's such a great piece of advice, Mark, because I've only ever offered my book as a Kindle eBook. Well, I I sold 35,000 books and I would say about 20,000 of them were print books. Oh, that's that's so, that's fantastic. Yeah, and, that's fantastic. And earlier, and earlier was probably even higher, like seventy-five percent. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And of course, just for the listeners and, and people who are starting out self-publishing, when you get your cover design, it's normal to get both the ebook design and a, a print edition design. So I'm sure it wasn't anything different for you to just set it up and have a paperback um, version. I also did a I also did a um, audio book. Which, um, yeah, talk to us about that. I I really enjoyed doing my audiobook. Um, I didn't. First of all, I wouldn't. I would not recommend being your your own narrator unless you're exceptional at it. Mm. I, I'm pretty comfortable public speaking. I never showed up. I'm always talking, but doesn't mean I'm a good narrator. Um, the, the narrator that I had, Will Damon, was really fantastic. So I would do that. Um, it's really enjoyable. Um, I don't know. I've made money at it, but I probably three, four, five percent of my book sales have been audiobooks. But it was really enjoyable. I, I tell you what, one thing that I would really encourage everybody to do, it when I when I die and go to my maker and they go, what are you know, what are what are your five proudest moments? You know, I'll tell them that marrying my great wife and having my two sons, but in the top five will be the book trailer that I did. I did my own book trailer. Uh, it's on my website, MarkPaulAuthor.com. Um, that book trailer is 
58 seconds long. And it's had 38, excuse me, it's had over 300, 310,000 downloads, if you can imagine. 300,000 downloads. Uh, and that was a really good way for me to sell my book. And I really enjoyed doing that. Um, what I did is I don't have any video in it. I, I just, I used all still photos, photos that I had purchased combined with um, some stock video footage, a little bit of stock video footage that I, that I was able to purchase from you know, the, uh, Shutterstock or one of those places. Uh, and then I did do my own narration on that. And I went to a sound studio and I paid, it wasn't that expensive. I think I paid, you know, $180 for the hour in the sound. And they recorded, they recorded that and spliced it together for me. But that's, I really think having a book trailer in today's visual world, particularly for young people, is really valuable. Um, I, I was out at a cocktail party and I ran into a big movie person, right? I was telling them about my book and you know, they were feigning interest. And I said, hey, do you have 57 seconds? I said, yeah, I said, come here. And I just took on my cell phone and I put on my, downloaded my, showed them my book trailer. And within a minute, they were like, oh, you have to see this, bringing other people over. And I emailed them my ebook and they're reading it right now. People that are not interested visually, if they can see that, that, that link, I would definitely do a book trailer. Ah, that's such great advice. I'm, I'm just making a list here, Mark, yeah. of, of, of the gems that you're dropping. So just keeping track, book trailer. A good author, author website. You've got to have a good author website. It, yeah. it has to be there. It talk, has to be something of interest. Talk to me about that. Oh, I just, um, you know, I just, again, I hired a company that does, I used Author Bytes. I don't get any promotion from them. I was very happy with them. They, I like going to one of these companies that's, that's already done, you know, 800 author websites so you know they, they know what they're doing and then you can go on and steal all the best ideas there's no reason to reinvent the wheel just go look at the go look at the you know the five author websites that you think fit your book the best and go copy what they're doing i probably spent i don't know maybe um thousand dollars on my website it wasn't wasn't horribly expensive maybe a little yeah. more yeah um, it, imagery is really important. Having some good pictures and visuals that you can market with are important. Mm, that's so interesting. So with your image selection, both for your website and your trailer, so the, the book centers around a horse. I think it's, I believe it's called Winning Colors. Uh -huh. How much, you know, real life tied to this event um, imagery did you use? How much stock imagery did you use? How much just sort of more um, esoteric imagery did you use? Um, I used probably um, 20. My book is a memoir, so it's about, uh, my, my, my book is fun because it's a, it's a true story about a female racehorse winning the Kentucky Derby. And these crazy gamblers who wound up making a big bet on her Nobody thinks a girl could win the Kentucky Derby. It's only happened three times in 150 years. Nobody thinks a female could win it. So the male chauvinist, chauvinism was very important to these gamblers because all the all the, the uh, bookies didn't believe that a girl could win the Kentucky Derby or a female could win the Kentucky Derby. 
So these guys go down and they make their bet, but they make their bet in Tijuana. And it turns out that the bet was made at a racetrack that was owned by the Felix Ariana drug cartel. And so the problem is now they don't know whether or not they, whether they want to win or not, because if they win, they're probably supposed to get a lot of money, but they have to go down to friggin' Tijuana and collect it from the, from the cartel, uh, you know, a million dollars from the cartel. So, you know, my book has a lot of different genres in it. I think that's one of the reasons it was successful. Yes, it's about sports. Yes, it's about um, a racehorse and a female racehorse. And that helped me because women buy two-thirds of all books. And women don't buy books typically about sports gambling, but they do buy books about horses. So I found, I found places like there's horse lover websites, and I would publish my book and, and promote it and pay to be on the horse lover's websites. So, you know, everybody else has got a romance novel, you know, about a woman being swept off her feet by a handsome young rodeo star. And there's my book next to it. That's different. I sell books there. And then I sell books in, in gambling. And, but I sell more books in true crime because the gamblers had to try to correct it from the cartel. So, again, I, every book is different. But if you can get some knowledge and spread it out and try to be a crossover hit, you'd have a lot better chance of selling than just being, you know, just one, just one book and one narrow genre. So you asked about images. I would say I used 25% images of the true story. I used maybe 25% images of the actual race. And that's difficult because my event happened in 1988. Uh, and then probably 50% were stock footages of racehorses and things like that, which are very cheap. The, the, the pictures of the actual thing were quite expensive. So I'm glad I didn't have mm. to buy too many of those. Of all the different things you've done to market your book, what's had the greatest ROI? Amazon AdWords. Mm. I mean, that's the, that's by far, that was the game changer for me. Um, authors are very analytical and we're the kind of people that when we buy a car, we'll actually read the, man, the owner's manual before we drive the car, because that's what authors are like. Yeah. And so I spent, when I was ready to launch my book, I probably spent 30 hours every week for the first month looking at Amazon AdWords, really studying it, trying to understand it. Um, there's a I think I gotta think of the name of it. There's another um uh it's a, you probably know it. There's um it's another service called um it's uh it's a Kindle publisher. I gotta think of what the name of it is. Kind, Kindlepreneur. That's it. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. See, my mind is going. Authors. Yeah. Uh Kindlepreneur is phenomenal. And one of the things that I realized when I would look at the book descriptions, book descriptions are really important. And you have like five seconds to grab people. So when you're going to write your book descriptions and you're going to get your book reviews up there, uh, a couple of really important pieces of advice. Um, one, it's more important who gives you the review than what the review is. So 
try to get, because I know like me, when I'm reading a review, I don't really care whether it's a glowing review that was written by the guy's mother, right? But if I can see the review that is written by some name, you know, maybe written by the, somebody from the LA Times or, you know, even some, some thing that has some credibility with me, that's really important. So I'm an unknown author. I didn't know anybody. I didn't have any reviews, you know, critical reviews. I didn't have Laura Hildenbrand who would see this but given me a review. So I said, what the hell can I do to get names up there? Well, I live in Beverly Hills. There's a lot of movie people here. Um, and I got all my movie friends, you know, some of my friends that, you know, had been involved with, maybe they were the cinematographer for a big movie. Maybe they were a publisher. So I could write, uh, you know, cinematographer for Lone Survivor. And then I would put Lone Survivor in bold. But now people go, oh, yeah, look at this. The, the, guy, that, the guy that was involved with Lone Survivor likes this book. And then over time, I would get, and eventually I started getting more reviews. Like I, I did get a, 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 an LA Times review. And of course, I featured my LA Times review. So and the other thing with Kindlepreneur, is that when you go online and you look at book descriptions or look at books that don't sell and look at like what James Patterson or you know these top top selling authors do, I noticed something. Uh, you drop off over here. No, I'm not. Um, is the better off the bigger selling authors, their copy it has a lot of white space, but it also has bold. It has italics. It has quotation marks. It it isn't just a bunch of just uniform, you know, two paragraphs of tightly spaced information that nobody's going to take the time to read. And the way that you have to do that is this free tool called in Kindlepreneur. You write what you want it to write, and it has to convert it to this unique code that Amazon uses. And it just you you print what you want and you drop it into this online tool, a Kindlepreneur, and then it publishes it the way you want it to be. It's really important. If you look at my copy in The Greatest Gambling Story Ever Told, it will, you know, it, it lays out in bold. It shows that I have the LA Times as a review and I have people that they might recognize that wrote reviews. Because, you know, people are scanning books. They're probably you know having a glass of wine and they're on their you know iPad. They're not reading every detail word. They're making a decision. Do I want to spend seven dollars on this book and you know make it really attractive? That's super important. And your copy needs to be needs to grab them. Don't tell them about some esoteric thing. Tell them about why this is exciting and why they're going to want to read it. Like. Like my one of the titles that I one of the taglines that I use a lot is, "Would you bet your life on a fifty to one shot?" That gets people so interest. good. That's yeah. so um, good, Mark. I need something that's a hook, something that grabs them. And the other thing is, you can see always be marketing. I swear to you, um, Ben. I go out. I sell books when I'm in the elevator. I I love my book. I I I, I found out how to how to make it really, really exciting um, where people want to buy it. And I'm, I'm always selling books. I can sell, I can sell books at a picnic. I think that's so important. And I think 
you, know, you mentioned authors before. I think a lot of authors, a lot of people in the author community, they're more introverted, right? Yeah. They live in, in their, their mind, in their imagination. And there's something about selling, and I'm making quotation marks around that, that they're not so interested in. But like I said at the top, you know, for me, at least writing is a creative process. And part of that creative process is that there's somebody receiving the art um, that you're creating. And there's mm-hmm. nothing better than, you know, once once you send your book out, of course, the first reviews are going to be your fa- friends and family. But there's nothing better than reading pe- reviews written by people who have no connection to you, even if it's just a one or two sentence thing, because you know that your work connected with them. Yeah, um, that's really true. Um, and one of the things that I do um, on my website, I do get people that contact me. I, I reach, I go back to everybody who talks to me, mm. and I have a kind of a, a kind of an epilogue that I have in there. But in my epilogue, you know, it's the only thing that I have highlighted in yellow is please leave a review, and I have the link so they because they don't know how to leave a review, they don't know what to do, and you just I give them a link, and my friends that I wanted to post a review, I send them the link and I email them and I please give me a review. It's so I got do not publish your book until you have at least 10 reviews. I don't, you know, get get your friends. You need you need to have reviews out of the gate. Um I that is a great thing. I I have right now, I think I my book has 1322. Yeah, 1300 reviews. I'm really proud of that. Um and when I see books that are like my my hero is Laura Hillenbrand who wrote Seabiscuit in, in the movie Seabiscuit. Her book, which is a hundred times better than my book and was a major you know Disney picture, right? Is she only has 1,800 reviews. The fact that I can even have almost as many reviews as that book tells me that I'm good at asking for reviews and, and going out there. On the other hand, though, I, I it it is very difficult because social media people are mean. And so I, I think I have a 4.3 rating out of five. Basically, I've, I've stopped reading my negative reviews. They just, they just, they, they hurt too much. I just ignore them. There's always somebody who's, it's easy to be a hater. So only read, only read your good reviews. Don't bother with others. <laughs> yeah. And, and I, I recognize and appreciate the modesty but again, you've written a book that is connecting, that is engaging people and connecting with people. Um, so to have more than 1,300 reviews and have an, a 4.3 average is phenomenal. To, to sell 35,000 books is phenomenal. The, so, the um, yeah, go ahead. What helped is that, well, you know, most people, first of all, if mine's a nonfiction book, I don't really know much at all about selling fiction work. It, I will say this, if you told me, Mark, you're 25 years old and you need to feed your family as a writer, and I would go, oh no, oh God, no. Um, but that's what my assignment was, and that was the only way that I could feed my family. I know what I would do. I would write nonfiction, and I would write a series of books. I would write a you know, a tw- 12 books, series of books. I would give away or sell for 99 cents the first two or three uh, 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 volumes of it. I would try to get people hooked um, because a, a nonfiction writer, 
I can write nonfiction really fast, but fiction, like for for every for every you know ten pages of of nonfiction that I write, I probably have to spend ten hours of research to get it right. But when I'm just writing something creative, I can just I can roll. I could be you know right. So anyway. It's so, a very different. So, so, would you do a nonfiction series or a I would, fiction I, series? I would, no, I would do a fiction series. Right. That I, makes could, sense. I could write fiction in volume. I could be a, mm -hmm. a, a you know voluminous writer of, of fiction, and I would do a series because the problem is like, you know, my book people love it, but I only have one book. Right. If I had another book that I could sell them, that would be great, but I, I don't have that yet. So, you know, I would. Definitely, people that want to be writers, I would do fiction and I would do series and I would promote like crazy. I would give that early ones away. Yeah, I've seen that advice over and over again, even to the extent that some people say if you're writing a fiction series and you think you have something, write the first two or three books before you publish mm -hmm. the first one, just so that they're lined up ready totally, to go. Totally, totally, totally agree with that. Yeah. I know uh, the books that I have to compete with some of these authors are. You know, Beverly Patterson and horse racing. She has, you know, just dozens and dozens of books, and she gets people that love her and they follow her. And now I've got to compete with her. And she's really good. Right. You mentioned Amazon AdWords. That's, and I've heard advice about that, but I haven't yet started with Amazon AdWords. Could you talk to me about that process and what you've learned and your yeah, best you, practices? You go, you, yeah, you, you go to, um, um, you know, uh, KDP. What's it called? KDP. Yeah, KDP Select or whatever it is. Select. You, you just go to KDP and you, you, know, you can upload your book. Although I really would encourage you to hire a publisher, a paid publisher, who will do all the things that you need to do and put it in the right formats and have it published properly. And they do all that for you. Although you certainly can do it yourself. If, you, if you're on a limited budget, I wouldn't. I wouldn't not publish my book because I couldn't afford to pay somebody to do these services. I have fortunately could pay somebody to make sure it was all really, really done and formatted properly. Um, I elected to publish wide. Um, in retrospect, I don't think I'd bother. I think I'd just go with Amazon. You know, I could, you can't fight them. They're just too big and powerful and you're going to sell majority of your books there anyway. Um, and then they have, um, you know, how you can do campaigns. And they break down the, I haven't been doing this as accurately as I was two years ago. Um, they have different, you can do, you can, I did multiple, 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 multiple campaigns. And I came up with about 600 AdWords that I could market my books. And that might seem crazy, but again, that publisher rocket really helped me. Is what I would do is I would look at, okay, in the 10 categories that I'm competing, what are the 10 books that are in those categories? And then I would see, I would click on their books and Publisher Rocket would tell me what the most popular keywords are in those categories. So I would go, I, I sell books in true crime. What are the most popular keywords for true crime? And I would put together a list of all of those. And then I would go, all right, I sell books in the horse race. What are the keywords in horse race? What are the keywords, um, you know, in all these different categories? And then I would do separate campaigns. Like I would do a, I would start a campaign just for horse racing. I would start a campaign just for 
gambling. I would start a, uh, you know where else I sell books? Mm -hmm. I sell books in um, uh, the history of sports. Mm -hmm. And there's some big books in there. Like uh, there's a book called Boys in the Boat, which is a really good book about the, about the Olympic rowers. And I would study, I would study that book and I would see what the keywords that they use in order to sell books. So I would come up with this really broad section. The other thing that they do that's really good in Publisher Rocket is they'll, they'll print this out for you. And it's like $50 a year. So I don't know how they make any money. Um, they'll tell you all of the books that are the top sellers in those books and those books authors become keywords. So in other words, I said, all right, my book, the number one book all time, maybe in horse racing is Seabiscuit. So I advertise Seabiscuit in all my AdWords. I advertise Laura Hillenbrand, the author. If somebody's searching for Laura Hillenbrand, they're gonna see my book come up. If somebody's searching Boys in the Boat, they're gonna they're gonna see my book come up. Um, and so I had a really, I was, I really did a lot of keywords, a lot of advertising. And I, there's a saying, I, it's not my quote, I don't know who wrote this quote, but he says, I didn't, when, when I was first starting to market and advertise, there's a saying, says, I didn't think I experimented. And that's kind of what I did. I didn't know what would work, so I just did it all. But I wasn't afraid to spend money either. And I, I know that I had an advantage there that I could, I could spend money and if I lost five grand, I could, that was okay with me. Turns out I didn't, I made money. But that's because I was willing to spend money. The other things that they do is they have these um, uh, campaigns that are uh, basically like autofill campaigns where Amazon will go out and choose the keywords for you. I'm on online right now with the, the Teddy to remind you exactly what they're called, but you, you can't miss them. And I can tell you that those Amazon auto campaigns that they do, where Amazon chooses the words, um, are far better than anything you can do on your own. So if you said, I'm not techie, I, I don't want to come up with 600 AdWords, I don't want to spend 30 hours a week, fine. Then just go with their auto campaigns, monitor, but you need to monitor them every single day. I don't, I don't need to monitor them every day now after two years, but when you first start, I would monitor them twice a day because I would see a campaign that's selling, maybe I'm spending money, I'm, sp I'm spending you know, $200 a day on that campaign, but if I'm bringing in, um, you know, especially if I, if I was spending $200 a day in that campaign, I was bringing in $150 of revenue, I was okay with that in the first month. I didn't care if I lost money. I wanted to see what worked. I figured out how to fine tune it later. And, I, and I've done that. So now, after like a month or two, I can pare down what doesn't work and spend more of my money on what does work. But you've got, as an author, you cannot sit in your room and wait for the world to find you. The world doesn't work that way. You have to put yourself out there and just do it. And you have to spend... And, Unfortunately, you have to spend money, right? I really believe 
you really do have to spend money in order to let people know that you're there. I mean, there there are eight million ebooks on Amazon Kindle on the Kindle Store. So yeah, and I have, when I was at the top, when I was selling the most books that you know, like some months, let's say I was selling five thousand books a month. I was probably the five thousand bestseller on Amazon. I can say I never got to be in the top hundred on Amazon or the top thousand on Amazon. But I was still selling five thousand books a month, so you know, yeah, it's a it, it's a big role. If you extrapolate from eight million books on the Amazon Kindle store, what, you're what's in, you're great in the top about one percent of of sales. What's great about Amazon AdWords, I will say this for them, is that if people are on Amazon Kindle and they're searching for books, they're going to buy a book. It, right. You've already, you don't have, like, if you go out and do an ad, like on YouTube, the chance of the person on YouTube that actually reads books is maybe one in a hundred, right? But if they're on Amazon Kindle searching for books, they're going to buy a damn book. All you have to do is convince them to buy your book. That's exactly. a lot easier sale. A lot easier sale. That's such a great way to frame it. It reminds me of the David Mamet line guy doesn't walk on the lot lest he's looking to buy. That's true. Um, let's end with, um, add a question. Oh, um, so would, do you think it's a better use of time and money to do the auto Amazon AdWord campaign or to fine tune your own keywords? If you can only do one, the auto, auto is absolutely, uh, they, I don't know how they do it. They are better at it. I can say now I do, I spend a lot more time with the auto campaigns than I did before because I've learned how good they are. Mm -hmm. But I also think that, I, I can't give you the analytical backup for this, but I think that the fact that I was out there and I had, I was doing lots of campaigns, I think also helped my auto campaigns. I think that, I think that the computer algorithm saw this guy is, spending money, people are clicking his links, they're buying books, and you need to you need to go up into that food chain where they think they have something to sell. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. I so, also I did something now I just went on to Kindle Unlimited. I didn't I resisted it for um, 18 months, but now after 18 months or so of my book being on the charts, I've noticed that my sales are are they're still good. I, I, I sell about, like when I was selling, the things were really going good. I was selling like 5,000 books a month. Now I'm selling about 700. And I don't like that. I go, oh, what do I got to do? So I started doing, I noticed a lot of the top selling books are on Kindle Unlimited. So I, I did that. And there's a, there's, I mean, I've only been doing that for four days. So I don't know what I'm doing there either. Yet. But there's a certain joy of that. Like when I like it, when I click on it, like I clicked on it this morning and I saw, that I had like already I had like I forget how many it's like uh the page reads yeah two thousand page reads to, today nice. I thought well my book is two hundred pages long ten people have read my book and as an author isn't that really what it's about I mean if, if I could have done all of this and and lost money a little bit of money 
it still would have been one of the greatest joys of anything I've ever done in my life. It's fine. And so going on this morning and saying, wow, 10 people, because I can see the page views have read my book. That's, that was a good, I made my, you know, made my day. So that's cool. It's not just about money. I think that if you, if you do things not for money, but for passion, you'll probably make money. It'll come through. And, and either way, you'll have a good experience. Exactly. Mark, this has been great. I think that's the, the perfect place to end. Your website is markpaulauthor.com. I can't recommend it highly enough, especially if you're an author and you're interested in self-publishing. All the things that we've talked about and much more, um, Mark goes into detail there. And the name of the book, uh, and so now having listened to the interview, please pay attention to the name and see how it grabs you. The name of the book is The Greatest Gambling Story Ever Told, A True Tale of Three Gamblers, the Kentucky Derby, and the Mexican Cartel. So right away, you're already interested. Thank you very much. I really enjoyed talking with you. Thank you so much, Mark. Thank you. Bye-bye. That was my interview with author Mark Paul. You can find all of my work at benbo.substack.com. That's benbo.substack.com. Have a great day.